For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Mind you, as we head into the jazz weekend and the long weekend and the bank holiday weekend and also Halloween, um, and there's a huge injection of cash into the Cork economy on this coming weekend. In fact, I was actually reading just about Halloween uh, yesterday. They were saying that in Ireland, we will spend 56 million euro uh, adults will spend 56 million euro on uh, Halloween uh, right across the week that's gone. Some people over the past two weeks, when you total up the Halloween spend, 56 million. So it is commercially very successful for many shops and what have you. But the Jazz Weekend, of course, is very commercially successful uh, in hospitality in particular, your hotels and your restaurants and your bars. But unfortunately, in spite of all of that, Sean McCarthy, who owns Soho on the Grand Parade, and makes this morning's echo today, speaking ahead of the weekend's Guinness Cork Jazz Festival. He says, yeah, it's great for the industry, but publicans continue to look over their shoulders because they're just not sure about what the future holds. Now, some would say that all the publicans and people in hospitality are always... Um, you know, taking on maybe the negative as opposed to trying to accentuate the positive. But I guess he's he's at the front line, so he sees it. And he says that um, uh, you'll walk around Grand Parade or Oliver Plunkett Street and Patrick Street on Mondays or Tuesdays or even Wednesday nights at the moment. And from nine o'clock onwards, it's like a ghost town, he says. And they can't run businesses in Cork based on a weekend like the jazz or the upcoming Christmas um, bumper season of spending, I suppose. Uh, Because on a weekly basis, um, you know, even Christmas uh, doesn't really figure so much Monday to Thursday. It's more likely to be just weekend events. So it's the week during the week that seems to be the issue uh, for hospitality uh, and indeed uh, people who are working and have businesses in the city and perhaps suburbs as well. So during the week period when it's, as he describes it, as a ghost town. Uh, this morning also the Echo leads with Dr. Sean John Sheehan, a regular contributor to this program. He's got his own uh, surgery in Blackpool and he says he is now referring elderly patients for counselling. Uh, this was bound to happen, the impact of isolation and loneliness during uh, um, COVID. And, and remember, an awful lot of elderly people went an awful lot further than many in the sense that they were cocooning and were very much cut off in their own. Remember that word, cocooning? We don't use it anymore, but we certainly used it over the period of, of two years or so. And the issues, of course, that they're suffering from, suffering from psychologically would be fear, um, social anxiety, uh, physical deterioration of their health, healthy social anxiety, of course, would have been trying to get back into society and trying to interact with people again, uh, having not done it for such a long time. There's a very sad story making the examiner this morning. It has to do with a, a preliminary uh, inquest into uh, two deaths. Um, and it's the sister of a woman who died at the CUH who was speaking yesterday at the preliminary inquest, uh, Ornella, the sister of Geraldine Yanku. Uh, And the story to this is that, unfortunately, she gave birth to her baby stillborn, and then she subsequently died. The 31-year-old died after the birth of her stillborn uh, daughter, Mary, and both were taken to Geraldine's native Cameroon uh, for burial. And the family want clarity Uh, following the death of uh, their sister, their daughter, after the stillbirth and her own death. So that's an inquest report making the papers today. Yes, I am doing quite a lot of local stories to lead with in the papers this morning, but that's because there is a lot of news. I mean, the development and redevelopment of the Queen's Oak Castle, that's brilliant news, and it's just one of the big iconic buildings on Patrick's. The Easton's building is another one, Savoy is another one, Debenhams is another one, and indeed the the Victoria Hotel is yet another one again. And on top of all that, Queen's Oak Castle. So you see the amount of work that's being proposed. But this would be a massive office development where they're saying... 
within the Queen's Hall Castle alone, there could be 900 people employed in the various office blocks there uh, following its redevelopment. And sadly and unfortunately, and I suppose it had to happen, we're losing four more unused public phone boxes. Back in the day, of course, people used them to make phone calls. Unfortunately now, people are just using them, they're saying, for public urination from late night party goers and also uh, graffiti artists and you know, graffiti can be a beautiful thing, but only in the hands of people who know what they're doing. So our four unused public payphones have been removed this week by Cork City Council. I don't know how many are left anymore. I do know of two of them over around by St. Finbar's Cathedral that are in rag order, but they're still there. And they're not the old-fashioned ones. They were the more modern ones, which were never all that aesthetically pleasing in the first place. But the relics of the four on Patrick Street had to go because they became a right old eyesore on the main street. But uh, does it not tell them anything? And if late night party goers are using those phone boxes to pee in, does it not mean that we really need to be treated like adults and given our own public toilet in the city? Imagine, are we the only city in the world that doesn't actually have one? And then there is a lot of accommodation-related stories. One of them has to do with groups of migrant workers who come here to work and improve their English. They can stay in hostels during the week, but at the weekend, they have to leave. The examiner deals with this story this morning. They're sleeping in cars. At the weekends, they're sleeping on people's floors or they're bussing around the county to Airbnb. Um, like they quote Sheila's Hostel saying that uh, they have a number, a, long, a number of customers who stay there uh, during the week, but they have to check out on dates where there are pre-existing bookings and primarily that's at the weekend. And then you have the Crown Plaza Hotel in Dublin that uh, had a six-month contract to provide accommodation uh, for Ukrainian refugees. But the refugees have been told that the contract will not be renewed and they have to go. Now, where the 400 will go, anyone can guess on that. But does it also say that maybe more hotels after their contract is up might follow the lead of the Crown Plaza and also refuse to renegotiate the lease. And then um, many people did offer homes and pledge homes for refugees. And the Independent this morning talks of the hundreds of properties that have been offered for housing of Ukrainian refugees in Ireland. They all remain vacant. It never happened. And one of the main reasons uh, for the houses that were pledged not being taken up by the Red Cross or the government is because the locations were set to have been too remote. But in spite of all of that, and you won't see this in any of the papers this morning, but I found it on uh, the RTE website this morning. They did a study and they compared 2012 and 2021. And they found that in that period of, say, nine years, nine years, the average rent in Ireland rose uh, by uh, 90%, 84%, 84%, to be quite honest with you, exactly, 84%. Isn't that incredible? 84% rent increases in nine years. Nobody can justify that. There can be no proper acceptable reason why rents would go up like that. I mean, the cost of living didn't go up like that. Wages didn't go up like that. Taxation didn't go up like that. Only, I mean, the cost of nothing went up like that. But why then would rent go up by 84%? They look at an average rent of 589 euro nine years ago now being just under 1,100 euro per month. It's insane. And if you looked at over the the period of a decade or even 20 years, if that's the way it's going to go forward, you'll be looking at tens of thousands, 
many tens of thousands. And in the world that we live in now, a job and a third level degree even, or a job that you got with a third level degree, won't even protect people from poverty anymore, according to the ESRI. And in Ireland, to our shame, a third of people below the poverty line were actually people who were working. And a third of people below the poverty line who were working held a third level degree. I've said it before, I wonder whether or not the colleges in Ireland um, have enough responsibility uh, to those that they put through the college system, whether it's a degree or a diploma, um, and are they doing enough to help them to actually get jobs after the college course? But perhaps that's for another day. But there'll be another 1,200 uh, that needs to be found for mortgages, the average mortgage in Ireland because of the latest uh, ECB uh, interest rate hikes. And this is a kind of a bizarre story because I remember years ago on Leaside at Christmas time, Buckley's down on Academy Street had a reindeer inside in the shop in a little crib with straw and everything. And it was a fabulous thing. And we went as kids. Uh, and then you'd often hear of live cribs, you know, where you know people would be able to go somewhere a lot of the time it's maybe on a farm or what have you but this story has to do with Dublin and it's the Dublin's mansion house because every Christmas they would have up until now because they ain't going to have it anymore a live animal crib outside Dublin's mansion house for Christmas so it's not going to happen this year and I was trying to work out from the articles as to why Uh, so what would have been in the crib over the years well it was a farmyard crib and inside there they would have donkeys sheeps and goats Um, And a life-size stable. And all of this, of course, would be to try and replicate or do homage to the birth of Jesus in the crib in the stable in Bethlehem. So that's not going to happen now. uh, Because since the COVID pandemic, they're saying animals must now be viewed behind a perspex screen. (laughs) You you just couldn't make this up, could you? I mean, what's the harm in having a lot? I mean, if you had said to me that animal rights were protesting that it was cruel to the animal like, I don't know, like the puck goat or something I'd say something, but behind perspex screens, I just I don't know, I despair and whether you knew it or not, uh, the Pope apparently made a claim recently that too many priests and nuns were watching pornography, um, and that's a story that makes the star today, and apparently the Pope recently, recently has been encouraging seminarians in the likes of Maynooth and what have you, not to succumb to the temptation or the trap of pornography. And he was giving it uh, to, I suppose, seminarians, priests and nuns as a bit of fatherly advice that they're watching, not just porn, but too much porn. And, you know, when you use terminology, you know, it's very important that you know what you're saying and that it doesn't cause offence to anybody. We've all heard the term down through the years, ah, that's a bit Irish, you know. And, I mean, we don't really use it ourselves, but others use it about us uh, or about something that isn't working or something that's stupid or something that's backward. Ah, that's a bit Irish. But apparently yesterday I came across another term that I never heard of in my entire life before. And that is um, one that came up because there was some talk about Christian Rena- or Cristiano Ronaldo and the way he's thrown the, you know, I don't know, thrown the rattler out of the pram at Man United and stuff like that. But in a blog, somebody within the BBC said that Cristiano Ronaldo was throwing, was throwing a bit of a paddy throwing a bit of a paddy. I'd never heard it before, uh, but apparently it is offensive uh, to Irish people, to use the term, throwing a bit of a paddy. Not unlike, that's a bit Irish. Um, And uh, and what would throwing a bit of a paddy actually mean? Um, I suppose it means that we're aggressive, we're confrontational, we're argumentative, we're stubborn, uh, we're not team players. 
throwing a bit of the patty of a patty. I don't know if you guys have heard of that before. Or maybe there's other ones besides throwing a bit of a patty, or indeed other ones like that's a bit Irish. There's a lot of stories then regarding exercise. If you didn't know it, apparently there's research out now saying that just 90 seconds of exercise every day slashes the risk of early death by half. That's bizarre. 90 seconds. Um, Like, is that saying you live twice as long if you exercise 90 seconds a day? We'd all do that. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Uh, Somebody says uh, the term like uh, I read out there a while ago, which would be uh, throwing a bit of a paddy, is the equivalent of throwing your toys out of the pran. You know, being stubborn. And it's said globally, and it's similar to the Irish phrase of uh, throwing a bit of a paddy. Uh, but it appeared actually in a BBC blog post regarding uh, the Man United player, Cristiano Ronaldo, throwing a bit of a paddy. Uh, so um, that's back in the news again. And they managed then to link that to the Irish uh, women's soccer team and the Wolf Tone song and Ooh, uh, Up the Ra and what have you. Listen, it being Halloween, I want to talk uh, Halloween for the next uh, hour or so, and maybe even longer if I get an opportunity, because uh, I'm going to chat with the with uh, Seamus in a few minutes time because he travelled to Blackwater Castle recently with some ghostbusters and we got some audio from their supernatural ghostbusting down in, in uh, Blackwater Castle uh, in a few minutes time but just ahead of that a lot of uh, people were reaching out when we were saying that we were teeing up Halloween and ghosts and all sorts of uh, spooky stuff for the weekend ahead Paul is standing by so is Tilly but first up Carla good morning good morning how are you I'm good you're not on a speakerphone are you girl yeah we like it is nice. That's yeah. much. That's much better. Tell me. Tell me about about your time in a paranormal building. Where Where was this incidentally first? Well, uh, I used to live in Mexico City. I'm original from there. All right. So, I this was 2000. Around 2000, I used to work in the Ministry for Foreign Affairs. So the buildings are quite old, and they were located where it's a place called the Square of the Three Quarters. So it's like. You know, from the Aztecs to mother buildings. So there's still a lot of stuff that people die and lots of uh, bad stuff, you know. But this building, like, I was there and I was working there until 6 o'clock. And I remember uh, everybody left and I was still working. So I just realized I was in my own. And can you, I, I don't know whether people can, I, I'm having difficulty hearing you. I don't know if others can as well. Can you move around a little bit? Because I'm finding it hard to hear you. Do you hear me better? Okay. Yes? Maybe you need to maybe you need to roar at me, shout at me. Yeah. So you're okay. in a building yeah. that's empty and previously this building before it became a, a a governmental building was was what you said it was where people died. Yeah, well like the place is located is called uh, the square of the three cultures which is from the Aztecs and other modern uh, buildings, but people from the six, in the 60s died as well, you know, students. There was a lot of things going on in that area that people remember. People mm-hmm. died and an uh, earthquake as well. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, a lot of paranormal activity, they say, because of all the people that died there. The, uh, that was so the I, shocking earthquake in the 80s, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the 86th century, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm going uh, to hold you there, Carla, because to be honest with you, that line is shocking and I just can't make any sense out of it and there's also interference from somebody else. So I'll come back to you in a few minutes' time. Tilly, good morning. Hi, Neil Harting. That's better. So this abandoned story, is it? It is, yeah. Well, not originally from abandoned, but I was just babysitting there 15 years ago. 
And um, I, the lady that I was babysitting for, she played the harp, and I was staying in the spare room, and I went to sleep or whatever, and I could hear the harp kind of going off, it was really weird, and I woke up, and there was this old lady, just was 15 years ago now, and I still remember clear as day. It was an old lady with a pink crochet cardigan and grey curly hair, and she was just staring at me. And she continued to walk out of the room, and just disappeared, just vanished. So then I got up and I obviously went to check on the toilet and stuff like that and it was just gone. It was only me in the toilet in the room at the time. But it was just the weirdest thing ever. Um, I, I can't even explain it. I know people think I'm weird to fairies now because you know, there's a lot of sceptics out there. But like there's nothing that I can explain. Other than it was a ghost. It was just surreal. Like It was crazy. And you were alone in that house in Bandon babysitting a child on your own. Yeah, I was on my own and the child was asleep. And, that, and there was a harp in, in, in some room in the house? Yeah, in the spare room, the room that I was actually sleeping in. Okay, there was a yeah. big harp in the corner or what have you. Yeah, a big golden harp, yeah. But there was no um, one else in the house but you. And, and the harp started to play or you started to hear the harp It wasn't music. playing, but it was like someone was like picking on the strings, if that makes sense. It was just, it woke me up anyway and next thing there was just this lady staring at me. But it was really weird because I wasn't afraid. It was, it was like, I don't know, was I just in shock, but... I remember clear as day and she just kept walking, didn't take her eyes off me the whole time she was walking out of the room and then she just vanished. It was just... When people, when you tell people that story, do they believe you or do they say you just woke from a dream and went back to sleep again? A lot of again? people were like, there, there was a comment, I know I obviously commented on the post and they were like, oh, it could be sleep paralysis, but I was actually awake and I got up to go out of the room after to check on the child, so it wasn't sleep paralysis because I've experienced that before. Yeah. So it's just something I can't explain. I know that a lot of people are sceptical, but I just can't explain it other than it was a ghost. I told, obviously told people and stuff and they were freaked out about so it. So let's describe her again. Things. She was a very old woman, was it? She was an elderly woman. She wasn't smiling. She had kind of grey curly hair and a baby pink crocheted cardigan. It's just so like clear in my mind still. And I'm 30 now, so this... I was about 15, 16 when this happened. And you say she kept looking at you. What kind of a look? Was it compassion? It was, was like it a blank. It wasn't an, like an evil look or anything like that, but it wasn't a happy look either. It was just, she was just blank. Okay. And the next day, because you were babysitting overnight with the baby, the people whose baby you were babysitting came back, did they? They did, yeah. yeah. But um, I kind of said it and they kind of laughed and stuff like that because no, obviously there's some people that do believe and there's other people that don't. They didn't believe um, you, is it? They were kind of freaked out a small bit. They were like, "What the hell?" Because I was trying to, I was trying to ask them if there any, you know, I had anyone died in the house, or you know, if there was any history of the house or whatever. And was it an old house? Like, no, it was. It was relatively new, but I don't know. Was there a graveyard behind it? I'm not. I can't remember really, because the person that lives there, that used to live there, doesn't live there anymore. Right. And can you still picture this woman in your head now as we oh, speak? Oh, one hundred percent. it's clear as day. And you followed her out the door. I didn't, yeah, well, I waited for it. She just vanished, and then I got up, and I was like, what the hell was that? And I went out in to check on the child, and there was nobody in the house. Doors okay. were locked, everything. Amazing. And amazing. did the temperature drop or anything in the room? They say that can happen? No, it didn't. No, it was grand, right? It, it, it was just the strangest thing ever. It's just like, it was like there was an actual person in the room with me, because... Her features, everything is so clear in my mind still. You know, every time that somebody tells me stories like you, I wish I had an experience like that, you know? I don't know whether everybody else would, but I would love to experience something like that. I know, yeah. It was grand. Like, I think that if I would have known the person now, like, for instance, my dad passed away a couple years ago, 
and I always told them to never come back to me because I think that if you know the person they come back I think you'd be more freaked out whereas I didn't know I'd never seen this lady before a lot of times you know those that we love and those that pass away come back to us in dreams it seems like absolutely 100% real and they're in the dream and you know that they've passed away they know that they've passed away they've come back to you sometimes they come back at a time of crisis just to give you some reassurance you know yeah, that yeah. can be that can be nice too. That's an amazing story. You're one of the lucky ones, Tilly. That's for sure. I know. Yeah, yeah. God, I don't know about that, but I haven't seen any any ghosts. Nobody's come to visit me since. So All right. Well, have, really have a listen. To, have a listen to this because <laughs> Dave has another story for us. I think he's living in Bulgaria now, but this was a haunted house in Dublin. Dave, good morning. Good morning to you. All right, follow that, man. Well, it's not half as creepy as that one. I can tell you. What um, happened to you? Uh, it wasn't happening to me. It, it was continuous and constant. It, an old house there the North Shirtle Road. I moved into what I think was about four years of age when my mother and father came back from Canada. They went and decided it wasn't enough for them after a couple of years and decided to come back. So we moved in there. But it wasn't exactly a tenement, but we rented just the downstairs of it. it was three rooms and the scullery at the time um it was eventually converted into a kitchen but the upstairs was let to different people at yeah. different times yeah. and a lot of the time it was unoccupied but i didn't notice anything when i was young but the house always had a creepiness to it if you can understand a very long dark hallway and if you were bold to my mother, she'd put you outside the door and leave you in the darkness there. You know? uh, that was cruel. No disrespect yeah. to your mother. My mother, uh, me, me, yeah, my mother could tend to be like that at times. But anyway, <laughs> as we got older, I started, you know, you'd be up, you'd be coming in late at night and that, and, uh, you know, around the teens, and be getting into bed, and You'd wake up for no reason, and you would hear somebody in the room breathing very heavily. You knew it wasn't your brothers that were, you know, in the other beds. I think you would describe it to the lads kind of like a kind of a rattling, raspy. Yeah, at sometimes it was very raspy. You know, sort of heavy breathing or somebody difficulty breathing. Now there was no coldness. And there was never a feeling of any maliciousness, if you understand. But it was always there. Yeah. At night. You didn't see anything, though. Was it just the heavy, just the break? Yeah. I could feel it. I knew it was there, but I could. I never seen it. Right. Now the other room. Well, at times, um, it was disturbing. You didn't know what it was. You got a bit frightened. You didn't know whether they could up. You didn't know. I know oftentimes when I went into my mother and father in the other room, I said, look, there's something in the room there. And you'd be told, oh, geez, you know, just get back to it's bed. It's the pipes. You're hearing the pipes yeah. contracting and stuff like that. Yeah, and um, nothing ever happened in that room. But the hallway always felt creepy. But I know my mother and my sister at different times seen it. Okay, so what did they... Who did they see? Well, what they seen was an old man dressed in top hat, tails, knee breeches, and you know those white sock things he used to wear, coming down the stairs. Sounds very 1800s to me. 
Yeah. Now, the history of the house seems to have been that at some stage it was a priest's house. Right. Right? Yeah. Probably in the parish or something. Now, the man didn't look like a priest as we know priests to be at the time. What did he look like? A bit of a toff, is it? He, an old man, white hair jutting out from under his hat. Um, Top hat yeah, a jowly face, they said, but a very blank, you know, what they call a thousand yards stare, eyes, because we're focused on nothing, seeing nothing. So he's clearly trapped in the house for these hundreds of years and possibly lived there at some stage and is still there um, and has nowhere to possibly go. Possibly still there, what, nowhere what a, to go. But he didn't communicate, by and large, they don't no, communicate with Jesus, your mother or your sister. No, my mother possibly would have I don't know she never said she knew these things made me a bit windy <laughs> yeah, I know. you know and it, I never felt comfortable yeah I know as you know as brothers and my sister not moved out of the house and you got left there on your own it seemed like getting worse but a lot of it's in your head you knew there was no harm you knew there was no maliciousness I've heard of a malicious Haunting that happened to an aunt of mine and my grandmother down in Wicklow. What was that? But that didn't sound clear. Oh, that. Um, my aunt, my mother's sister, and her mother, my grandmother, and my cousins, the three kids. Um, my uncle Pat, who was a miner in Stoke, he lived most of his time in England and would return, send money home, return home. He rented a cottage. I think it was called Ivy Cottage somewhere near Wicklow Town. Mm. But aunt and grandmother went down there before him, you know. And they were in one room sleeping in the one bed and um, the cousins in another room. But just a story my mother told me. Um, my aunt woke up in the middle of the night for no reason. Grandmother sleeping beside her. And she said she couldn't move. It was like some sort of sleep paralysis or something. Maybe that's what I had to do with. But she felt like as if there was a pressure, like somebody leaning at the end of the bed. But this pressure moved up further. There was an awful, the atmosphere went dead cold. And it was, she said there was a terrible feeling about the place. Okay. But the pressure kept moving up, and she could not move. Wow. Right? Eventually, she felt pressure around her throat. Saw nothing now. This is just feeling the pressure. She felt, seeing nothing, it was pitch dark. But she felt the pressure around her throat. Right? Yeah. Because of somebody trying to squeeze her. Now, she said she knew my grandmother had rosary beads or something behind her on the bed. And eventually... She reached out, grabbed them, and the whole thing just stopped. And you don't think that these are just stories that people make up to tell on a maybe, dark night? You may, know, may, yeah. may, maybe. But no, it's not the first time that I've heard. I've heard. Some years back, I heard a similar story to that from around the Boring Manor Road area from a young girl who was on the air, and she was very traumatized because this, this, what you described just there, the pressure on the bed, the pressure on top of her, also yeah. led to her being dragged by her feet um, down under the duvet, down to the end of the bed and onto the floor. It was horrific. Yeah, 
And I've heard similar stories, but the thing about this one was that they all moved out the next morning and went back to Dublin. Amazing, amazing. And when my uncle came over and found them all in the house, he'd gone straight to Wicklow, couldn't find them there, they'd left, went back to Dublin, found out what went on, they went down to the town and went into a few pubs, asked a few questions around, and it turned out somebody had bought it and decided to let it but the place should never have been let. It was known to have been badly disturbed. Wow, amazing stories. And amazing. my uncle went, got the guy, got his money back, and um, they just left. left. They left. Yeah. Great stories, yeah, Dave. Uh, Thank you for sharing. Do appreciate it this morning as we head into Halloween, the witching weekend in more ways than one. Um, let me just finish that conversation, if you don't mind, uh, with Carla, who uh, at the time that we broke the call because of the bad line, she's inside in a building um, on her own at night. And she's about to tell us that she then began to hear the sound of a ball bouncing. Isn't that right, Carla? Yes, uh, it, it was a bouncy ball and nobody was in the building anymore, uh, but at least in my area, in the floor that I was. And I kind of was wondering, it was no kids there or anybody, so I was like, okay, maybe it's just my imagination, but I kept hearing it. So anyway, I kept working and suddenly I felt like someone was watching me and I just couldn't avoid it. So when I just left my 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 head i saw like a little face just kind of sneaking from the door looking at me but it looked weird because it was like a boy and his eyes were so bright and then he was dressing up like the 60s and i was really freaking out and then i closed my eyes and i opened it and he was gone. So then after that, next day, I told the, the security man and he told me, oh yes, you saw the boy. He always appear for the people that stay here in the night. So that's normal. And so I was just, oh said, my yeah. God, never. Yeah. The security guy said anyone that stays at night sees this little boy dressed in, you know, clothing from the 1960s. Yeah, like the 60s. Yeah, because he was like a sailor, you know, kind of. Like a, like a top and yeah, a you don't suit. wear that in the 2000s. Yeah. Did he look yeah, sad or so did he like, look sad or did he look confused or what? No, he just didn't have expression. He was just looking at me like no, no expression at all and he just what it just kind of bothered me is like his his skin was very pale, you know, and Amazing. his eyes were yeah. very bright because so it was like freaking me out and never again I stay ever right. again stay glad, after six I'm glad know? we got to finish the conversation thank you Carla text 0868104106 you want to share your own stories pick up the phone on 0818104106 after, t- after the break I mentioned Blackwater Castle uh, down Castletown Roach it's owned by the Nordstrom family and it's said to be one of the most haunted areas of the county and perhaps even the country. The area is said to be a hotbed of supernatural activity with a history going back over 9,000 years. Um, After the break, Seamus went ghost hunting with the team from Ghost Era uh, recently. Have a listen after this. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106 Cork's Red FM. 
The oldest traces here on the grounds uh, being found by archaeologists would have been actually from the Middle Stone Age. So they would have been very industrious first tribe who established themselves there and they manufactured uh, um, stone knives and spearheads and the likes. So we're talking about nine to 10,000 years ago. And ever since that, people have been living here on the grounds. It was only when the Normans came over here that they established the, the buildings in stone. So the oldest existing visible bit here is from the late 12th century. Okay. And has this always been in your family or did you buy into it? No, we only hear in a very recent history from 19, since 1991. Okay. Of the supernatural kind, what, so, what sort of incidents would you have seen over the years? I've lived here quite a few years and even on my own and I would have witnessed if you like the footsteps going down the hallway in the first floor slamming doors and that kind of stuff but um, coincidentally only happens when the wind is blowing on the outside you know okay. look I'm a born skeptic but I'm open minded so I would love to if you could introduce me to some uh, uh, you know ghosts or whatever shaking hands with them hi how do you do where can I sign up for this? Because uh, it would be rather comforting to know that there is an option of existence. Anthony, uh, what, can, what do you expect to find here this evening? Um, well, as I say, we're going to try, with every location, we have a bit of optimism to say, like, usually with every investigation we come with ghost stories that we try and not say, is the place haunted? But if there is another conscious spirit or entity, what I'm trying to say, is there another mind after death and if we can communicate with each other or we can communicate with them as well collecting information through the occult which is nothing bad it's using words like through like tarot or or scrying or dowsing or seances we're trying to get information that kind of links a combination of uh, events or or answers that might resemble what has happened in the past or might resemble what's happening in the experiments themselves, you know. Do, can you tell that there, there there is a difference once you walk into a room or does it does it kind of materialise over a period of time from, from doing your seances and your... Like we were there a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago in England and we were just doing a walk around, a pre-walk around and I felt a prod on my shoulder. I looked around and none of the team members were within 10 metres of me there and there was no, no debris or anything. And I suppose that's probably the, that opened up my eyes even more. Mm-hmm. And that's only recently, and I've been doing this for nearly three decades now. I've probably been more in tune would be my wife, Jennifer, and Cameron he does meditation, kind of links in as well, similar to that, what Jen's doing there. Uh, myself, I'd just be wondering what kind of have in my mind three areas to go to just stick to those three areas not to be wandering all around the place there and just concentrate on those areas and see what the environment is in those places all I can say is like I do think every place is haunted like the word haunt means frequent so it's frequent I think every place has the potential to be haunted it doesn't have to be a castle or a graveyard you know it's it we're still learning a lot and 160 years of cycle research we, we still don't know what the ghost is whether it's the mind what we see what we hear what we interpret we hear what we see on photographs we don't know nobody knows until when it happens 
asking the spirits to come forward tonight. We're asking for clear, positive answers to our questions. Can you tell us what year it is presently for you? 1823. Okay, my name is Anthony. We have Cameron here. We have Jen here. We have Claire here. We have Seamus here. Also around the building is Patrick. Can you tell us what your name is, please? Twine, 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 Twine. Your name, Mary Twine. Yes or no, please. Yes. My neck is cold. I've moved away from the window there. Yeah, it's, it's moved over there. Just uh, and it was still cold. No matter where I move, it's cold. But now it's it's, it's, it's kind of like a tingling feeling on the back of my neck. Yeah, so that's very. Let's see what Bernie says on the spiritual, scientific, so the scientific. Now we try the spiritual. So we'll see. Hi, Mary. I just want to ask you: Was that you or someone else interfering with James's neck? Among the please. Yes. Can you tell us why or how? Glasses. Glasses. Maybe what you're wearing in shoes. They might be intrigued by what you've got around your eyes. Glasses. They're glasses. It's getting spookier. <laughs> it's going to get even more. Hear these words, hear these cries, spirit from the other side, come to me, I summon thee, cross now the great divine. If you hear this spirit, come forward, step forward, use the breath, change your environment. If you go warm, if you go cold. Amazing sounds, amazing work. Uh, not everybody's cup of tea, uh, a Ouija board uh, or spirits appearing to contact and communicate through the Ouija board. And you also heard the EMF communications going a bit crazy there. That's the electromagnetic field that they tap into. You've got this, these gadgets that they go out with, with EMF signals, and it changes the electrical currents and all sorts of alarms and beeping noises go out when spirit activity is said to be close. And that from Blackwater Castle uh, down Castle Town Roach. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. Okay, we'll have more ghostly experiences and stories after 10 o'clock. But as we head into the jazz weekend, we have a lot of live jazz for you as well. And that is something that we do every year. The first strains of jazz uh, a little later on this morning. We'll have George from the Roaring and the Roaring Forties in studio. We'll have uh, Alicia Leahy in studio as well. I think she's going to do uh, a bit of a jazz session sing with George and the guys we also have the Booker Brass Band coming in uh, between 11 and midday today this year is their 10th anniversary and they're playing the Quark Jazz Festival and play the Metropole over the weekend and Len McCarthy uh, one of the greatest I believe one of the greatest sax players that we ever produced and one of the greatest in the world and uh, he has gone from strength to strength all his life 
uh, and has played jazz all over the world and uh, he's popping in and bringing the sax with him and I can't wait for that because I haven't seen him in a long time and he's just one heck of a guy. So all that and lots more besides. We have tickets for the Jazz Fest to give away. We've got tickets for St. Peter's Church on the North Main Street and we have tickets for the home of the Jazz Festival at the Metropole to give away as well between now and midday today. But it is also a free food Friday courtesy of ourselves and Roosters Piri Piri Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. I'll tell you exactly what you'll win if you're lucky enough to win. It will be delivered this afternoon, uh, hopefully in and around lunchtime. To whoever wins it, it'll feed at least 15 people, perhaps more. Courtesy of ourselves and RoostersPiriPiri.com. Um, and all you got to do is text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Keep your stories coming and people are sharing. I have texts to get through. Text 0868-104-106. Back to some live calls, then a bit of jazz in the Roaring Forties in a few minutes' time. Anthony's standing by. First up, Michael, good morning. Hello, James. And I appreciate you putting your life on hold, waiting for me for the last half hour. So yeah, about We're talking about, about Dunamore up in North Cork, is it? That's right, that's right. There was a house above there myself and my wife were renting at the time. I'm going back uh, about 19, 18, 18, 19 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And uh, to my knowledge, I could be sta- I could stand correct to know this. To my knowledge, it was an ex garda barracks where there was a cell at the back of it. And it was, uh, we were renting it as a house. But it was always cold there. We could never heat the house. It was always, always cold. It would just probably just, morning, just block like on go block. Back to the like, old days, yeah. Go back to the old days where you'd have about 10 or 12 blankets on the bed to keep you warm, but you'd still be cold in the morning. Go away. But myself, my wife and my good buddy, Christy, were out for a, a couple of drinks and we came back and we did our normal, go into the, into the kitchen and fry a couple of sausages and have a cup of tea and what have not. And my wife was inside in the sitting room. And uh, I said, and the body were sitting down drinking tea, no sandwiches, and next thing we would hear footsteps go up the stairs. It was as clear now as a, a normal person go up the stairs. And we said, oh, that's the wife going to bed. Yeah. So, yes, we were there for another good hour, and then messing, and, you know, I said, no, we were young fellas, and we were just in the, in the clown, no matter how not. So next thing we said, right, we'll head for the car. So up the stairs we went, and then he went into the room, and uh, I went into the, the, the our bedroom. And there was no sign of the wife. And I said, Jesus. I went into the body and I said, Where, where's the wife? <laughs> the wife? The and wife has a name, <laughs> clearly, Michael. The wife. <laughs> well, look, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at the wife. <laughs> All right, okay. I'm happy with that. <laughs> where's the wife? <laughs> so, wait a minute. I said, Jesus Christ, where's the wife? And he goes, Jesus, we heard her go up the stairs. So, we went back down and then there she was, sound asleep where she was, where, we, where, where, where she was when we came into the house. She was sound asleep in the coach. And so I walked what? up and I said, I said, did you go upstairs? And she said, no. And this was as clear now as anything. And myself and the buddy will never, ever forget it. I was actually talking there on the formula go before he came on air. And he goes, Jesus, I remember that. He says, and to the house, that any time he used to sleep over, he used to wake up stone cold. You know, no, you'd be so cold that your bones would be cold. My God, how long did you stay in that freezing house? We stayed there for about two and a half, three years, and we we said we we're going to get out of here because it was just 
it was just we just could not stay warm in the house. But I'll never forget that night when we clearly heard footsteps go up the stairs. And you think that that cold was an unnatural cold? You're saying to me, one hundred percent. There was a cell at the back of the house, and it was the house was kind of built into um, a small bit of rock. You know, so the rock was higher than the house. Let's say, you know, there was it was built into the land. I know. Yeah. And it was it was always going new, always. I'll never forget it. But that experience in there, my seventh buddy will always, always talk about that and uh, we'll always say, Jesus, there was definitely somebody went up the stairs that Definitely night. somebody living in the house unbeknownst to you, for sure of that. Oh, 100%. Like, you'd, you'd, you'd imagine what went on there in in, in the Gatter Barracks. Like, I, I don't know when it was a Gatter Barracks. I could be staying correct to know there could be someone on, in the Nomono going, Jesus, no, that wasn't a Gatter Barracks, but... To my knowledge, it was a garden barracks and there was a cell at the back of it and you'd never know somebody could have died in that cell. Who knows, man? Who knows? Yeah. Great stories I, this morning. Thanks for that. Yeah. As I had on the radio, know, the free food Friday. Yeah. Can I, can I make a shout out? I'll probably get killed for this now. Yeah, do it. Why not? You're on. Yeah, go for it. RPC Haulage Limited. We draw with the classes there, Roadstone. I know Roadstone. I just yeah. put I, a, a, a good shout there to Ross. Ross Creed and he's the he's the boss and commander. Our RPC are they Roadstone? Uh, no. Um, well, we're drawing for Roadstone. All right. Yeah, he's, yeah. It's it's uh, Ross Christopher Creed and right, Ross well, Patrick. Okay. Ross Patrick Well, they're in the mix, my friend. Have a great long weekend, Michael. Enjoy the bank holiday. Enjoy Halloween and what have you. Um, it's an extraordinary story. I don't know if Anthony has told us this story in the past, but he's going to tell it now. Anthony, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. You have a ghost that visits several times a week. Everybody wants to hear more about this. Yes. <clears throat> I thought I was just imagining things at first, but she comes into my bedroom. She only appears at night, and I can hear her opening the door, and she sits at the edge of my bed and doesn't say anything, looks at me, but doesn't say anything or anything like that. And she's dressed in Edwardian clothes. So I assume... Like, what is that? When you say Edwardian, describe her dress. Well, you know, like late Victorian Edwardian. You know, just dressed fully up with a blouse and a brooch and a skirt and the hair is done in that style of that time. Put an age on her. Put an age on her, can you? I'd say about 25. And she, does, uh, she doesn't bother me in the slightest. At first I was freaked out about it, but now I take no notice. I hear her opening the bedroom door. <laughs> you serious? You're not winding me up, no? No, I'm not. I'm deadly serious. She comes in, woman in her mid-twenties, from the Victorian era, and just sits casually on the end of the bed. Yeah. I'd say probably my flat where my bedroom is it probably was her bedroom maybe I don't know but she's not menacing or she's not in any way dangerous or anything But she's not angry that you're in her bedroom or anything like that she just sits there vacant looking yeah yeah it's amazing like do you talk to her? I try to but there's no point there's no answer. She'd just look at you. But when you talk to her, do you think you get the impression that she hears what you're saying? That I don't know. 
How long has she stayed there? Uh, well, I'm here 10 years, and she's been here since I came. But when she, she actually walks through the door or opens the door? She opens the door. How long would she stay in the room with you and sit in the end of the bed for? Maybe half an hour, an hour. Really? Depend. How often? About three or four times a week. <laughs> Has anybody I've else... I've got so used to it now, I just don't, don't take any notice. I thought I was going psychiatric at first. Yeah, but no, I'm not, I'm not I, suggesting that. I mean, but has, have you invited anybody else into the room of a night to see this young woman? No, because normally it would be when I'm in bed, you see. And I asked the other people living in the house and they said, we've never seen her. So she just seems to come flocked me for some reason and why do you think that happens she just aimlessly comes into your room sits on the bed for an hour and then leaves again I have the feeling that it was her bedroom in the past I yeah. mean this house was built in 1830 like yeah yeah trapped so, spirit yeah yeah do you but look not an unhappy spirit either yeah but I mean would you be looking forward to the company waiting for her to come kind of thing yeah, I don't mind it at all. It's Craig Brack, it's better than watching television anyway. When was, when was the last time she came? She was there last night. <laughs> if we didn't know that, we'd have been with you last night. Do you think she'd have shown up? I would imagine so, yeah. All right, okay. So yeah, there's, no, there's no regular like said, set pattern? There's no set pattern? No, and she's not menacing. She just seems to be... Like, this is my house. That's the impression I get. Would you be and able you're to... you're in my bedroom. So what would happen if you took out your phone and filmed her? I suppose I could try to do that, yeah. Being a spirit, it probably wouldn't record her. That's true, yeah. I thought about it, but... Then I thought, no, I don't want to upset her either. I don't want her to turn into a poltergeist and start smashing things <laughs> up. And you want to turn? She don't want her to turn angry. But there's no yeah, set pattern. Like, yeah. like she doesn't come Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Like it could be any time. It could be any time. Yeah. So there's no point us moving in with you for a week. Mm, well, you could, but I don't know. Would I she just... appear? She may not. I think she probably would. That's amazing. All right, let's see if we can work something out with that regard, if she's appearing with that kind of regularity. If she appears tonight, try and record and see what happens. I'll try it, yeah. Okay. She probably will appear tonight. Try it. I mean, you never know. And like I said, she says absolutely nothing. And I just hear her opening the bedroom door and she sits down on the edge of my bed and just looks at me. That's incredible. I just think that maybe, I don't know, maybe if somebody else were there with you, she wouldn't. But then again, you don't know unless we find out. Uh, I'm going to put you back on hold and see if we can work something out with uh, Seamus. Have a good long weekend, Anthony. Thanks for taking the call. You too, Neil. Take All care. the best. I also had a weird paranormal experience when I was renting years ago in Cork. I woke up with like something had its hands around my neck and I was being physically shaken. I was aware of what was going on, but it was like I was paralyzed with fear and couldn't move. I felt a dark presence in the room, and then all of a sudden, it just stopped. 
One time myself and my brother were alone in the kitchen, says somebody else. We heard footsteps across the roof overhead and down the stairs, making their way towards us. All three of us heard the exact same footsteps and we were actually crying in fear, pressing against the kitchen door to keep it closed. Just one or two more. I came across this place by chance during the week. It's an old abandoned tunnel that belonged to the West Cork Line. Apparently, it's the longest railway tunnel in the Republic. I can tell you it was one spooky place. I don't want to come on air, but I was a patient in the Victoria Hospital about 20 years ago. There was a woman that had terminal cancer in the bed opposite me. She was moved to Marymount as she was in her final stages. The night after she was moved, I woke up in the middle of the night to see her body floating over the bed. She was surrounded by beautiful flowers as she was being lifted upwards. The next morning, we were told, she had passed away during the night. And that is seriously spooky. We got that and lots more besides after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Let's talk about this time of the year and this weekend ahead. I've spoken in the past to Shane Lehan. He's the folklorist who runs the Course in Cultural and Heritage Studies at uh, Cork College of FET on the Tremor Road campus. He also lectures in customs, traditions and beliefs with the Department of Folklore, Folklore and Ethnology at UCC. This is his time, lads. This certainly is where he comes into his own. Shane, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? And what if, we, if we park all the ghostly apparitions and things like that, this is Samhain, right? So is Samhain the time of the year when everything goes to sleep, if you like, nature goes to sleep and we go into darker months ahead and it's a time where we um, allow the dead to revisit. I- explain to me your interpretation of this time. Yeah, listen, Neil, it's great to have the opportunity, and thanks for that. You know, Samhain is a very ancient festival, very, like long before we ever had the concept of Halloween. We're really talking about, at this point in, in, in time, the leaves have fallen off the trees, or at least they're beginning to, they just if you look, they're becoming skeletal, as it were. The crops are in. Uh, it's a time of the year when we're facing into the darkness and so on. Samhain, or Samhainos, as it was called in the, in the ancient Gaulish calendar that we have, uh, was the, literally the end of all fertility, the end of all things like that. It was also the beginning of the dark time of the, of the new year, so to speak. So when, when I think about it, it's the, when it's the end of everything, we're kind of always thinking of, of the dead. We're also thinking of our own death, because it's death in nature, uh, it's death, death in, 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 in ourselves and our own mortality that we're conscious of. I always say to my students, Neil, I think it's one that you should think about. I always think about Halloween and so on. Uh, being uh, uh, being a little bit like twelve o'clock midnight when when we all go to sleep, I say you should never be afraid of death because yeah. you practice it every night of your life because you become unconscious and if you never woke up again, you'd know nothing more about it. True so, enough, it would be a nice way to go. In your sleep, lovely way to go. But when you think about it, we're into that world then of dream. You see, and when I often think of that winter stasis, that period when there's no growth, when nothing is going on, it's almost like we're into the time of storytelling, we're in by the fire, we're remembering maybe things, stories of the past, we're remembering the ancestors, we're remembering the people who've gone before. So everything about this time, my my whole 
anthropological perspective is why do we do what we do when we do it yeah. why are you talking about ghosts today yeah. why are you talking about the other world why is it at this point why isn't it in the middle of you know February or uh, the summertime because this is the dark time and that's where you have to go and this is the time when we talk as you say of the Kyluk the witch or this is the time we talk of bonfires or the time of the druids or indeed the puka the banshee things like that isn't it you, you, have, you have them all there. I mean, and we could spend the whole day talking about each and every one of those. I love the Banshee. We'll just take the Banshee for a moment. You know, most people will have will have known or heard of the Banshee. I, like, and I'm listening to your program this morning and people are recounting things. I've personally heard the Banshee. Okay, I've personally heard her. I was living in Connellan's Cork. I moved out of the city my first time in the countryside. I, I opened the door. I could hear this absolute appalling wailing outside I got on my bicycle Neil I followed it as much as I could find it and it was there it was present okay the only thing I'm not being sceptical now but I I, I know people have said that and others have countered them by saying you were here you're listening to a fox crying that's exactly it. And this is where I'm coming to. Because when I went and explained this, because I was coming from the city, I had never heard the fox mating. I'd never heard that, that human scream, as it were. But when you have to explain what you don't understand, that's where our mythology, that's where our folklore, that's where our belief system comes in. So you were listening to people uh, uh, this morning talking about all sorts of apparitions and all sorts of people co- coming coming their way from the past and places being, uh, you know, uh, you know, be, being being haunted and so on. Traps, spirits, for, and what yeah, have you? Yeah, but I think it's very important to say, well, what what develops that idea? What we often talk about liminal places, places which are out on the edge. A lot of your listeners this morning were talking about older houses. I live in an old house. I'll tell you what, it's very frightening. It's very frightening at night, especially when you're on your own. And as you said, when the creaking is going on or the wind is blowing, that's the natural human condition. We're pre-programmed to be afraid. Alert. If we weren't afraid, we'd be jumping into the fire. Yeah, okay? so you know so when we talk at this time, and you know, in 2022, 2023, as we go for, we will always talk of Halloween and these matters. Like, But way back in the day, people actually did believe in the Banshee. They did believe in fairies and the power of fairies. or They even did believe in small people and and leprechauns and what have you, right? Yeah, well, you see, we we have to manifest the other world in whatever way that uh, we live. And they're often coloured by the conditions in which in which we lived as well. I mean, one of the great things is that, like, we we're confused in Ireland between what happens us when we die. Um, some of us we have the, the feast of all all souls, for example, coming up, and that's we've all Hallows, of course, is um, all of the saints. But the the second of, of November is all souls. So we have the idea that the the undead, as it were, the dead are sometimes in purgatory and so on. They're roaming around, and what one way we try to get them we pray for them to get them back into the the, the whole concept of, of heaven. heaven so the whole notion well, like in Ireland long ago we felt that the the ancestors would come back so there was a great tradition always Neil of um, you know setting, leaving the door off the latch uh, setting up a, 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 the fire for them to come in uh, maybe even setting a place at the table at this time of the year in, in the old at days at this time of the year yeah and then in, in particular what would happen of course is that you would always have fresh water in the house and that was a really a great story that I came across just recently, um, some long ago people used to wash their feet, and you had the feet water, which of course would be dirty.
property and it would be very important that you would throw that out and it wouldn't be in the house okay uh, uh, when the when the spirits would come back because they would be that would be contaminated water and there was a great story about uh, somebody forgot to throw the foot water and who was coming around that time but the, an infamous character that comes at Halloween called the puka well, the puka is like a big old horse okay he's half a man half an animal and uh, you don't want to meet this guy at all but the puka was passing by he, the door was open he saw the, the water of course, what did he do? He took a drink out of the water. It was contaminated. And he spat it, as the story goes, all over the faces of those asleep. And they all died. They all died. So a, great, a great horrific story to say, make sure you have the fresh water, not the foot water. You don't want you know? to have the puka come visiting then. Why is it a time then for psychics and mystics and fortune tellers and charms and people trying to... I mean, yeah. back in the day, they would have all sorts of different ways to try and find a partner or find someone to yeah. fall in love yeah. with them. And they would do all sorts of different things, right? Well, you know, you had you had that lovely. Um, you mentioned the kailuk earlier on. Now, the kailuk is a beautiful word that we have for the one who is hooded or who is cloaked, um, often ascribed to the old woman, the wise woman in the area. I, I I regularly don't use the word witch because I think it gives a very negative connotation. But this was the woman who was in charge of um, your birth. She was the midwife. She was also the woman who looked after you when you died. She was the the keening woman. She was the corpse washer and so on. But she was often the woman who had the herbal remedies, the charms. And you often went to a woman like this to try and predict the future, you know, and especially young girls, because marriage was a very difficult sort of concept in, in Ireland of the 19th century. What happened is that uh, she, she, women, young girls were particularly interested in getting married, who they would marry and yeah. so on. So she might have different charms. So there's one sort of the, um, kind of gro- gross sort of charm that, that is there because sometimes a girl wanted to make make a young man fall in love with her. One of the accounts I came across quite often was that um, there was, uh, you would get 10 pins, as it were, and you would, you would kill a mouse, funnily enough, and you'd stick the pins into the mouse until they got rusty. Right? Here we go. Now, don't try this at home. No, they don't have to try it at home. They've got Tinder now. They can go on to Tinder. But back then, they didn't. <laughs> They, they used to get a, a type of mushroom which was growing at this time um, called the, the Balavon Bech, it was called, and they would stick the pins into that and the various other little charms that were there. And eventually that pin would have magical property and if you stuck that into the jacket of a man that you wanted to uh, to, to get married to and so on, uh, that was the sure remedy. I don't think it worked, to be honest. You know? But they must have believed yeah. it though back then, yeah? They must have put well, power and, and belief in it. Yeah. Magic, magic in anthropology is very interesting. It all has to do with doing a very elaborate set of um, activities which are in a very precise order and usually accompanied by a charm, a, an incantation, a certain phrase, and always it would work if everything went right. When it didn't work, they would probably go back and say, well, I must have done something wrong. I want my money back. I didn't, I, yeah. One thing you can't argue with way back in Celtic times was the power of the Druids. Is that where all this started? Well, it's interesting that when we read our accounts of the of the Druids from Caesar and others like that, we know that this time of the year was particularly important for uh, the Druids to um, to gather together. So, uh, we know a Celtic that, race of people who did live not just here but in the UK, and the Romans would have had trouble with them, wouldn't they? They would, and and Caesar tells us that um, every year at Samhain, at this point in the year, the 31st of October, 1st of November, they would meet in the territory of the Carnutes. Now, the Carnutes is just literally um, west of Paris, where modern-day Chartres, and it's very interesting for me that 
see, when Christianity comes, they set up charters to break cathedral where all the kings and so on were, would have been inaugurated and so on. In Ireland, we, we have our if different regional royal sites like Awanmaka and Crokin and Tara. Would and New Castle Grange be amongst them, I wonder, no? No, a bit, bit too early, but, but Tara was, is close enough, okay? And you had these centre points that the Druids would come to, and they would do a number of things, Neil. They would go through their prognostications for the year. They would foretell the future. And they often did that by sacrifice, sacrificing animals, and then we have some gruesome accounts as well of them sacrificing humans. You got rid of, at this time of the year, anyone who was negative, uh, anyone who was doing something negative. Ah, that was cruel though, wasn't it? The interpretation of that could have been left very open to the people who wanted the person dead. Absolutely. And, you know, we have these bog bodies, Neil, uh, in Ireland. Ireland has kind of got a proliferation of, of, of people who've been put into the bogs because in the Celtic period, we believed in reincarnation. So if you wanted to stop somebody coming back who might have been a bad king, who might have been a bad warrior, who might have been causing difficulty and so on for the group, um, you usually um, got rid of them at this time of the year, but you didn't kill them outright. You left them in the stasis. You left them in the, in the preservation of the bog and so on and so forth. So what happens in that particular scenario is that they are preserved, as it were, so that they come back into the cycle. But it's this time of the year, yes. this particular point that it has to happen. Yes. OK, one final question for you. It's fascinating. What's the significance of the barmbrack? I was talking about this yesterday. Is this modern? Is it commercial? You know, we used to have the pea and the ring and the stick well uh, and yeah. the rag in there. Now everything's gone except for the ring. What was that about? Yeah, because I suppose we all will be suing the bakeries for, for choking. On a stick. <laughs> That's what they said. But, but listen, I tell you what, before the barn brack itself was there, it was the Barian brack. So we had cakes of bread, a cake of bread as we called it. But when it was a celebratory occasion, and this could be Halloween, but it also could be your wedding, it could be your birthday, it could be the Christmas cake. You, you enriched your daily bread by adding in sugar, by adding in an egg, by adding in some speckled fruit and so on yes. and so forth to give you what we call the Barian Brack. The Barian Brack, we used to call the it. Yeah. Brack. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Barian Brack, yeah. And then why were we sticking things into it, like peas yeah, and so sticks these, and these, rags? These were, these were, again, the charms that were going to foretell the future. So you could foretell the future, just like the Druids were doing, just like the, the Ban Vaughan and the, the wise women were doing. We were using the same idea. So you're, you're and so, you know, if you were going to get the ring, you were going to get married, if you would get the stick, you either were going to be beaten by your husband or you were going to beat your husband. You could do one or the other. <laughs> right? um, there, was, there was also a holy medal, which meant you were going to join holy orders if and you the, were going to become an, an honor. And that's all inside the cake. And the rag was... You're going to have a life of rag, misery and rag poverty. Was for, rag was for poverty. But it's interesting that before the Barnbrack, we did it with Colcannon. Colcannon, the lovely uh, potato dish with your ca- cabbage mixed into it with its butter. Everyone sat around the pot. The charms were inside the Colcannon. You had a spoon and everyone took a spoon and you would get your uh, your your charm then to tell you what the future That's was going amazing. to be. That's amazing. That's amazing. Listen, Shane, great to chat with you this morning. Wish I had more time. It's an important time of the year, of course, and there's some great stories to share. I do appreciate it. Have a great Halloween, a great salmon, and a great bank holiday weekend. Thank you so much, okay. the folklorist Shane Lehan. Text 0868104106 with your uh, Halloween stories. I'd love to see uh, the young of today doing what we did when we were young. Simple things, great fun, great games, all done with fun and simplicity. 
I remember getting the ring in the barn rack. I lost it at the bonfire we had and I cried for a full year as I thought I'd never, ever get married. Uh, Martin says, I've not thought of the barn rack for years. I'm so glad you brought it up. Great memories. Well, go out and buy yourself one, Martin. Go and do it. Of course, it's also the time of snap apple, isn't it? When you got the buckets of water or the big dish of water and you have the apples inside and it with money in it or you hang an apple from the, from the ceiling and everybody has a go at it. I got a ring lately, but the barn rack had nothing else. The rag, the stick, the pea and the pea and the bean. Oh, I forgot about the bean. The bean was for riches, wasn't it? I think. I'm not quite sure. And my memories came back talking, thinking about it. But the jewel in the crown was always the ring. And one final one. Yes, we get a barn rack every year. I love it. We're a dying breed, bud. But I think we can rejuvenate our passions and customs if we wish. We just need people to stop the fear of our changing world. Our customs are unique and sometimes only applicable to this island. Please, let's not let them die, no matter what people say. Keep it coming. Text 0868104106. I'll be doing shout-outs or first bunch of shout-outs for Free Food Friday in about 10 minutes' time. But after the break, I'll be connecting to another studio for George and the Roaring Forties after these. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Okay, keep your ghostly stories coming, your paranormal stories even. Text 0868-104-106. We've got a bunch of Free Food Friday shout-outs to do in about 10 minutes' time. Lots of people to talk to. Great guests in studio this morning. George is here with the Roaring Forties. Been joined by Alicia Leahy, live in studio. Going to sing with them. I'm absolutely in awe because the super sax player, Len McCarthy, uh, Corkman Len McCarthy is also in studio and he's going to play so we should get one heck of a sound. I'm going to go over to George again, wish him good morning happy long weekend, happy jazz can you hear me alright pal? Can indeed thank you very much. Over to you maestro do your thing. I've forgotten what we do, what do we do? <laughs> oh same old story, here we go again <laughs> you have a year to practice and you still forget Tony you're playing the piano <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, lads after you count it in, Roy. Fly me to the moon and let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold my hand. In other words, fly me to the moon. What spring is like on Jupiter and on Mars? In other words, hold my hand. Oh, Georgie, in other words, oh, darling, kiss me. <laughs> oh, stop it. When fill my heart with song, and let me let me sing, sing forevermore. You are all I long for. All I and a dog. In other words, I'll tell him, please be true. In other words, I love you. How about Len McCarthy? Mm-hmm. 
to the moon and let me sail amongst the stars. Let me find what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, take my hand. In other words, darling, kiss me. Thank you, George, in the Roaring Forties with Leisha Lee. And you heard the great Len McCarthy doing his jazz sax solo thing in the middle with the gang. Fantastic things. We're in the mood, guys. Mark Murphy is the director of the Cork Guinness Jazz Festival. Joins me by phone. Mark, good morning. Good morning. How are you keeping? Bring it on, man. Bring it on. Everything good? Ready to go? I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, we've got all the, the, the huge excitement in the city. The artists are arriving by plane. And yeah, we had our launch last night that went superb. So yeah, we're, we're ready. I've seen them around town. I was down in the Clarion yesterday. And I saw people coming and going and people carrying in all sorts of equipment. What are you talking about? A thousand musicians from all over? Is that right? Yeah, probably more. Yeah. And how many people do you expect to come visit? The city. Oh, I think all the hotels are booked out, so you can kind of gauge off that for thousands. Now somebody put a figure of 43,000 visitors to the region. Yeah, easily, easily, because on different days, I think the Saturday, the Sunday are the big days, uh, uh, historically. And then Friday, obviously, is your opening night as well. So, yeah, I think a lot of people are staying down just due to the weather being uh, changeable as it usually is. Yeah, but it could be a lot days. worse, though, you know, it could be a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's a bit on the mix side. So, of course, you got the Guinness Music Jazz Trail. And that's like, what, yeah. something like 70-odd pubs, which is free that's to the, the public. Biggest, yeah, that's, that's the biggest this year. So, like, it's, I think it's like 72, 73 uh, pubs in the city and Denikin Sale and uh, other areas. And then you've got about 12 to 15 venues as well undertaking activity, you know. So, like, it's, it's, it's a huge undertaking great for the city. It is, and not just the city but right across the suburbs too because Douglas yeah. is a hive of activity for the jazz I know that yeah. person, and Kinsale as well Yeah, yeah, there's activity everywhere, yeah. Yeah, what would you say are the headliners? I mean everyone, every gig's an important gig, everyone's a, a fantastic contributor yeah. but the big well, ones. Well I, I think that if anyone's coming down, I think like, you know with, with the music trail, like every every bar, it's free and they all have local musicians, young musicians playing, so I think it's always worth to go in and give give uh, some words of encouragement and a bit of a cheer to, to that maybe during the day, and then your main shows are probably lead out of the Opera House, Cork Opera House, so you've got stuff like the Book of Brass Band on tonight. You yeah, they're playing uh, here in studio in about 45 minutes' time. Yeah, the new Power Generation, Prince's original band, obviously that's huge, uh, big connection with Cork as well from the Parky Queeve show uh, 30 years ago. Um, you have Jenny Green playing, We Up the Everyman, we have um, 
Hermeto Pascoal, who's like an 85-year-old Brazilian uh, legend that they call the wizard. Miles Davis cited him as the greatest living musician of all time yeah. back in the 70s. Yeah. So that's a big one. We have Shaun Kuti uh, and his father's band, Fela, or Egypt 80, performing. So, like, basically the website, GuinnessCorkJazz.com, that's all it. these yeah. folks. That's, that's really where I direct yeah. everyone to go. So to the headline venues will be, yeah, obviously the Metropole, the Everyman, the Opera House, Triscoll, Live at St. Luke's, yeah. St. Peter, yeah. Cypress Avenue and the Metropole. It's all in there in the Guinness yeah. Cork Jazz yeah, all, com all site. Yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. All right. I'll, le- I'll let you get on. It's going to be a busy weekend for you. Thanks for taking the call. Best of luck with everything, you. Mark. Thanks for your time. Yeah, Take care, my man. Thank you. Mark Murphy, the director of the Cork Guinness Jazz Festival. Um, I want to just bring in a couple of very special guests, guys, because way, way back in the day, a long time ago, uh, the Cork Jazz Festival, of course, was actually... It's no point me telling the story. I want Jim Monjoy to tell the story because he was working in the Metropole at the time and he's the founder of the Cork Guinness Jazz Festival uh, and joins me by phone. Jim, good morning. Hey, good morning to you. Where did it all come from? Because I know there's a great story and you tell it well. What year were we talking about? Uh, we're talking about 1978 when I had a bridge congress booked into the Metropole. They came in to me and said, look, we were in the Hotel Blarney last year. And the committee said, why are we leaving? So I said, there's no problem. Uh, you can move back and I'll get something else. Now, jazz was going well. In the so they cancelled on you with a bit of notice? Uh, yes. And, but I, you know, they offered it to me and I would they cancel? And I said, of course, cancel if you're not happy. <laughs> and I, I'll send something else in. Now, jazz was going well in the hotel. I used to jazz in Sunday Wasn't morning. Harry Connolly and Len McCarthy and Marco uh, Petrassi and all them doing their thing, well, I think? The, the, the main people there was Harry Connolly on the uh, Sunday morning and on Monday night. And Harry has played at every jazz festival since day one. And uh, really, to get it off the ground, uh, you needed a sponsor, but you also needed a good um, backup of jazz players. Like, the first jazz festival is Ronnie Scott, George Melly. Kenny Ball, Annie Ross, Monty Sunshine, Louis Stewart, and um, was that all in the first one? Yes. Good God! How did you how did you pull that off so fast? Well, basically making contact with most people, and also I um, marketed abroad a lot and on radio. I was on every, almost every local BBC station in in Britain. And on Radio Four, and of course in Ireland, it was on. You also so, travelled extensively in the states, didn't you? And you got John uh, Players on board first, and then Guinness subsequent to that, I believe, wasn't it? That's right. Um, I travelled to twenty-seven states in America. Um, I we had John Player first, and then their managing director and also chairman of the company came down. and He said, "We'd like to use the money for marketing, but um, we know that you have Beamish and Crawford interested in taking over the jazz festival." But he said, I want to find you somebody who feels very comfortable spending an awful lot of money. Yeah, yeah. And he introduced me to um, Guinness. I suggested to Guinness the pub trail, which they hadn't thought about at the time. And they said, okay, we'll take over whatever payment you're paying in the Metropole towards the Jazz Festival for that idea. Jim, that's an incredible thing that even the pub trail that is so popular now was your idea. I mean, do you? What, yeah, when you look at it now, all these years later, and look back at the humble beginning, well, far from humble, even the first year was a winner. But how does it make you feel? Nostalgic? Well, I, I have a feeling, my feeling really is it was good for Cork. Like, about four years ago, 
there was a survey done and uh, they said over a million people have attended the jazz festival up to that time. And uh, Board Fault, I saw today, are reckoning that the spend in Cork over the weekend will be about 20 million euros. Yeah. So you're talking about 100 million euros at least over the years of the No, and I know you had help, but it was your idea. You drove it out. You came up with the idea of the event. You went and got the sponsorship. You created the Guinness Jazz Trail. I suppose we just wanted on this Friday morning as we head into yet another year of the jazz to say thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm very pleased that it's still going. Uh, For health reasons, I can't attend myself. But um, one of the other things was, I said, how am I going to get um, publicity? So I invited Donald Crosby as the first chairman and Dick Braslin as the first secretary. And I said, well, if I Donald in, I'll be getting local publicity anyway. Yeah, you're the examiner of the Echo on board, yeah. Exactly. And um, once Guinness took over, um, the, the real big names came then. The Elephants, Girls, George Shearing, Mel Thorne, Buddy Rich, Oscar Peterson, Cleary, Johnny Dankwood, Stephen Grappelli. And I met some of these abroad. I met uh, George Shearing in uh, Los Angeles, and he was delighted to meet me again. And actually, the day he came, he flew in from um, Switzerland. And at the same day, there was a, a committee meet, uh, a meeting out in Blarney of blind, young blind children. And of course, uh, George was blind. And he said, I have to go out there. So he went out there, and all the children were around his legs and holding on to him. And in fact, when George came back the second time, he played in Mountjoy Jail. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Everybody loves a good party, don't they? Everybody loves to get into good form and good spirits. And it all started way back in the back end of the 70s. So delighted to have caught up with you and just to wish you well and to thank you for this wonderful idea that has grown down through the years. But you planted the first acorn. So well done on that, Jim. And I want to thank you for Red FM publicity over the years, which helps enormously. You better believe it. Take care of yourself, Jim Mountjoy. Take care. All the best. best. Take care. We got more live jazz in studio, lads, throughout the course of the next hour or so. I also have Len McCarthy in studio. Don't know how much time I've got to to chat with you right now, Len, but I did want to take the opportunity to say good morning and how are you? Oh, very good. Pull yourself in a bit there. Pull that microphone a little bit closer. You sounded good, man. You were playing with George and the gang there, so you haven't lost it. Uh, no, I found it. I did. I found it again. <laughs> <laughs> can I can I play something for you? Yeah. Right? This is from an album that I have treasured all my life from the early 80s. Right. It's you with the Guinness Jazz Trail Band. Is that what it was called back yeah, in the day? The Guinness All-Stars. The Guinness All-Stars. Yeah. And it's you and I think, is it Louis Stewart? Louis Stewart and Jim Darty. Yeah. Okay. I don't know when you last heard this, but I copied it from vinyl. Yeah. onto digital the other night or at least, right. my, at least my son did so right. you'll hear the sound of this on vinyl I think that this is probably the greatest version of uh, Take 5 that I've ever heard Right <laughs> You're so nice Have a listen to yourself
McCarthy's Take Five. I treasure that album. I treasure it. Was it like listening to that 40 years later? Well, funny thing, uh, I was sh- shortly after I made that record, I was walking around the lock uh, trying to get a bit of fresh air. And this guy came up to me and said, um, it's, that was a nice record. He said, it's a pity you made a couple of mistakes. In it. <laughs> Typical cork. Yes. <Yeah>, so <laughs> then it's faultless. I, I, I said, hey, do you play yourself? He said, oh, yeah, I do. Uh, and I was going to say, I said, I better not say any more, you know. <laughs> but yeah, you'll always meet somebody. But when we went on the Late Late Show, Gayburn, and uh, we we had to get into the studio early. And we he made us play it complete with solos six times in a row. They said, they, whatever's happening to the sound engineer can't get it right. And I, I thought, by the sixth time, I was just... Sick I of won't it. say just fed up with the whole thing, you know. Sick. And that Never was, wanted be, to play that was before we had to play it then tonight, the following <laughs> tonight, you know. That's television for you, boy. Radio is much more straightforward. It's it's great to see you, though. Are you yeah. are you active over the jazz or anything? Well, I wish I was. I'm not playing. Nobody offered me, asked me to play. You know. That's insane, man. I know. That is insane. Yeah. So um, I'm delighted you're playing with us live in studio with yeah, George and the gang. Yeah. You have a new album out. I have. Uh, and this lady here is is the person that uh, was instrumental in bringing it all about. Jackie, morning to you. Good morning. I, I don't have a mic on you, but it's lovely to see you. And lovely to see you too. So maybe I might be able to catch a copy of the CD off yeah. you. Yeah, I have it here for you. You're so good. Len, great. it's just great to see you because right. I've been a fan my entire life and many people on Side would say the very same. Okay, great. It's great to see you. All right. I'm going to let you get back in to play okay. a couple of numbers with the guys, all right? Cheers. Sure. The CD in Pro Musica as well, Neil. I have it in front of me. So yeah. available in Pro Musica. Len McCarthy, Louis Stewart and Michael Cody, live and found. Um, well done. Great to see you in good form and still playing as well as ever, Len. Thanks. Cheers, my man. Take care. We're back after 11, guys. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me. Weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106. Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. Let's get back to it. We'll do some shout-outs for Free Food Friday in a few minutes' time. But I want to go back to George in the Roaring Forties with Alicia uh, Leahy. Give us another couple of jazz numbers in your own time, Georgie boy. Thank you very much. Uh, the lads, uh, can I just say something? Megan, uh, Tony Corbett's uh, niece, yeah. is 21 today. The name's Megan. Um, I'd like to say uh, to the Vision Construction Building Company across the road from me, um, can they be quiet? (laughs) (laughs) They're keeping you... Are they interrupting your afternoon snooze? The afternoon snoozes. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, those noisy cranes and things. And them knocking on the door saying, can I move my car so they can get their lorry in? Which, of course, I never You sound like Victor Meldrum. Would you ever park it and get back to the music? (laughs) Um, um, Lisa's at the Opera House on Sunday night, night at midnight. Midnight. Witching hour. Thanks for coming in, Leash. Appreciate it. Thank you. Roy wants to say uh, to the theatre and the girls at Flex. And I want to say to Orla, <laughs> Orla, tell her I love her. If anyone's listening, she's at the Bonds Hospital. Thank you, Neil. We're going now. Thank you, George. <laughs> Happy to hear it. <laughs> I'm in heaven And my heart beats so that I can hardly speak 
But I seem to find the happiness I seek When we're out together dancing cheek to cheek Oh, heaven, I'm in heaven And the cares that hung around me through the week oh, Seem to vanish like a gambler's lucky streak When we're out together dancing cheek to cheek Oh, well I love to climb a mountain And to reach its highest peak But that doesn't thrill me quite as much As dancing cheek to cheek Oh, I love to go out fishing In a river or in a creek But that doesn't thrill me quite as much As dancing cheek to cheek Come on and dance with me I want to put my arms about you. That charm about you will carry me through to heaven. I'm in heaven. And my heart beats so that I can hardly speak. But I seem to find the happiness I seek. When we're out together dancing cheek to cheek. with me I want to put my arms about you that charm about you will carry me through to heaven I'm in heaven I'm in heaven oh and the cares that hung around me through the week seem to vanish like a gambler's lucky streak when we're out together dancing out together dancing out together dancing cheek to cheek that's jazz and that's jazz man George <laughs> go on <laughs> Paul from Vision just texted me says Neil will you please tell George if he thinks we're making a racket now wait till next week <laughs> oh great oh they heard me <laughs> come on Karen do another one <laughs> Everyone's listening, pal. Well, it don't mean a thing if you ain't got that swing. Two up, two up, two up, two up, two up, papa din din, papa din din. It don't mean a thing. All you got to do is swing, yeah. Shoot it, papa, shoot it, 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 it makes no difference if they're sweet or hot. Ah, give that rhythm everything you've got. It don't mean a thing if you ain't got that swing. Mr. Gavin Smith on the guitar, ladies and gentlemen. Young lad, ginger hair. Hey. 
don't mean a thing. Don't mean a thing. Ain't got that swing. Do up, do up, do up, do up, do up, do up. Don't mean a thing. All you got to do is swing. Do up, 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 do up. Oh well, it makes no difference if it's cool or if it's hot. Oh, just give that rhythm everything you got. Is that the man from the Jungle Book or what? All right, where's everybody playing this weekend, please? Roaring Forties and Leisha Leahy, where are y'all? Where you're, you're at the Opera House. Sunday nights. Uh, midnight, midnight, Sunday night. Opera House. I'm in the Crane Lane at two o'clock Saturday, four o'clock in the Shelburne, seven o'clock in the Met, <laughs> and the Bodega at two o'clock on Monday. Oh my God! You want three or four Alicia Leahy's to do all that? What about the Roaring Forties? Where are you guys along the weekend? Where are we going? Um, I don't know, but I know it's, <laughs> I know we've got three hours off somewhere. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're playing. Um, we're playing at the Imperial four times. <laughs> Yeah, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and that's from two till four, is it? Or three till five. <laughs> you need and to get a manager, you know that. You need to get a manager. <laughs> so when do you turn up on mind. time? <laughs> three till five, and then and then Barry's in Douglas. We're there from five till six. <laughs> five till quarter past. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're at the Tomond uh, tonight. Uh, from uh, about 10 till 12. Okay, well, listen, thanks for popping in, as always. It's a wonderful tradition. Great to see you. We love Great it. Thank to you hear very you. much, Neil. Thank you all. Much Thank obliged. George, right. the, thanks for George and the Roaring Forties uh, with Leisha Leahy and the great saxophonist Len McCarthy. Back after the break, we got Free Food Friday shout-outs. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, Free Food Friday shout-outs. It'd be a great way to start the bank holiday weekend with a feed. It'll feed at least 15 of you, probably more. You get chicken wings, chicken skewers and beef skewers to start. Then the main event, chicken wraps, chicken pitas and beef burgers. Incidentally, I had one of the Rooster's Piri Piri beef burgers in a bun during the week with the salad and it was one of the nicest burgers. I know we think of Rooster's for chicken, but if you like a good burger, this is the real McCoy. Check it out. Then the sides are the Piri salted fries, the rice and the waffle fries and also the different Piri mayos and garlic mayo and you build your own cheesecake with all sorts of toppings for you to build your own cheesecake slice. So Free Food Friday shout-outs for everybody at Specsavers in Wilton, Abbeville in Toker, Blue Coast Skip Hire, Listening in Cove, everybody at Bossard in Little Island, DWG in Tremore Road, Desi's Tires in Vickers Road, the Brothers of Charity Day Services, Keto Products are looking for a Free Food Friday munch, everybody at uh, Marlborough Trust working uh, hard today, uh, and all at Kevin Condon Financial Brokers in Blackpool, Union Hall Smoked Fish, AP Vaughan Recycling and Tower, Striker on the Model Farm Road, Foley's Plumbing and Heating and Toker, ECI, JCB and Carrick Tool. Good morning to all of the people working at O'Brien's Accountants in Clonic Kilty, Barry Joyce Cole at the top of Fair Hill, Bridgewater Homes in Kerry Pike, Premed Fabrication, 
in uh, Powdered Off Road, Oliver Hayes Gardening in Bandon. And I do go do some more. It's almost like a double batch, if you like. Smurfit, Smurfit Kappa, Rockwell Engineering, everybody at Tusla at the North Point Business Park, O'Donovan's Pharmacy in Balafihan, the Dean Hotel and all the staff there, the Endoscopy Ward in the matter private, Cork Metal in Dublin Hill, Little Hands Child Care Redemption Road, Oris Schlonta, the Payroll Department at Dennehy's Cross, Red Fox Recycling, and the matter private. And finally, to Jill and all the staff at the Dental Hospital Reception. Now, you've got about 10 minutes to text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106. We'll do one more bunch of shout-outs and pick a winner just before midday. Bear in mind, we also have tickets for the Cork Guinness Jazz Festival to give away. We have tickets for St. Peter's Church on the North Main Street. We also have tickets for the Home of the Jazz for Saturday night at the Metropole Hotel Jazz Club. But it's Halloween as well as everything else, and we've lots of different traditions. I saw the most incredible photograph during the week of an absolute ginormous pumpkin. The man behind it, he grew four of them. Ginormous, giant pumpkins down in Kinsale. His name is Harry Sweetman, and I just want to wish him well for the weekend ahead. Harry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are uh, you? These things are enormous. They're bigger than they're bigger than Arctic tires in size. Never yeah. mind in width. How do you like? Do you do, they, do you grow them from a seed or what? Yeah, so I started the seeds back in April, and they were a special seed which I got in from um, a fellow who grows them for competitions in the Netherlands. And um, yeah, there was a good bit in growing them now, but it was uh, good fun to grow them. All right. Okay, like do, do they like how do they how do you get them to keep growing? Like what is it like? Give me the give me the weight of the one you're in the photograph with. So the one in the photograph, I think, was in and around 140 to 200 kilos. I didn't get it weighed exactly now. How would but, you weigh it? Um, you'd have to roll it onto a scales that you'd put a truck up on or something. Yeah, probably. That, that's what I was thinking was to try and find someone with a weighbridge or something. But, um, <laughs> 200 kilo pumpkin. And like, do you have to feed them or what? Um, yeah, so I gave them, um, they were fed basically mainly with uh, chicken manure and um, liquid seaweed fertilizer. So they actually grew organically. So uh, no fertilizers, harmful sprays and all that yeah, stuff. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, you did, was it four that size, was it? Yeah, so I grew four that side. So the one in the picture was about the second biggest. And um, the biggest was actually, I'd say, well over 250 kilos. So too, big for the, big. too big for the photograph. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what did you do with them? So um, I advertised them on Facebook and on uh, just a few sites around. And um, I had a few local businesses that uh, got onto me and wanted to display them. And um, the way I did it was they gave me a donation and they put a little donation box next to them so that... Uh, any money I collect from them will all be going to uh, the Field of Dreams. Uh, oh, charity. that's a great charity to give the money to. And how, yeah, much do you, how much do you hope to maybe gather money-wise? So I've almost raised a thousand euros now. So I'm hoping now with uh, Halloween there, there'll be one on display in the Kinsale Park on Monday and we'll have a collection box there and hopefully that'll put us over a thousand euros. Over the, the thousand, other, yeah. Yeah, the other two pumpkins, um, if anyone would like to go see them and get your photo taken with them, one is down in Leahy's Farm in um, Middleton and the other is in the Found Out Cafe in, in Shannon. Well done. And is anyone going to carve them, put lights in them or anything, do you know? <laughs> um, at the moment, no, I, I, I don't think either of them are going carving them, but... Um, You'd need a construction company to carve that thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and are you a farmer or a horticulturist or what? Yeah, so I'm actually just kind of in college. I'm doing uh, mechanical engineering, which is um, just a hobby. And, you know, it was a challenge, just something different to try and grow. Uh, I see them in the States growing them this size. And um, I 
haven't really seen anyone in Ireland attempt to grow something. Well, you did it, man. You did it four times. Did, yeah. Your mechanical engineering probably came in handy when you tried to lift it and put it on the back of a truck, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it did. How did you do that? Um, well, I grew up on a farm, so really there's no shortage of loaders and stuff around the place, so uh, plenty <laughs> help as well. <laughs> happy days, man. Listen, happy Halloween to you. Well done. Proceeds going too. to Field of Dreams. Well done, my friend. Thanks for taking the call. Thanks, David. Cheers. Harry Sweetman Bye. down in Kinsale. Text 0868104106. Can you please mention Stephen O'Keefe of uh, the Stephen O'Keefe guitar of the Stephen O'Keefe Quartet, Neil? He passed away last month and he was a great guitarist. He passed away last month and people were hoping we'd give him a shout out, particularly his friends and his fans. Happy to do that. Right, we got calls and music and all starts after the break. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. I want to say thank you as well to Colin O'Sullivan who's working with me this morning in a different studio with regards to our jazz, live jazz. We had George in the Roaring Forties in any minute now. I'm going to hear a cue for the Booker Brass Band who are playing uh, on Side again. This is their 10th anniversary Anniversary and they're playing the Cork Opera House uh, tonight um, and uh, we'll also be doing different gigs across the weekend I'm sure so as soon as I get a feed from that studio we'll give you the Booker Brass Band live in studio for a tune um, and that's in a couple of but I also saw a lot of other people talking about uh, Halloween and people sharing their own stories so I'm going to get a couple of those quickly on as well and I'll get to that in a few minutes time Colm I can hand over to you if you're ready to rock my friend and open the mics and let's hear from the Booker Brass Band we are good to go Neil Booker Brass Band take it away lads <laughs>
good stuff. That's fantastic. The Booker Brass Band who play the Opera House tonight. I think at this stage that gig is well and truly sold out. You can imagine why. That packs a punch. Thanks for visiting, guys. It's their 10th anniversary on Side. Back again for the 10th year as part of the Jazz Festival on Side. Great sound. I mean, it's jazz, it's brass, but it's funk as well in there. It's a real mix. Uh, to play us out this morning, an extra added bonus. The New York Brass Band are in studio. Uh, and they're from York in the UK. That's fi- they're doing 15 gigs across the weekend. The Metropole, the Riverley Hotel, Reardon's, Oliver Plunkett Street, the Library. Um, and there's 10 in the band. So going to give them a little while to set up to play us out into the bank holiday weekend. That's the New York Brass Band. Uh, live in studio to finish up and we've got tickets to give away just before midday for the Jazz Festival Club at the Metropole and also for St. Peter's Church in the North Main Street and don't forget Free Food Friday winners but waiting in age is Lena. Lena, good morning Morning Neil Lovely chatting you? again How are you? Very well, thank God P- people I'm will, away. Uh, Fair play People will know Lena because she has no sight whatsoever but gets on with no. life terrifically day, well yeah. Fair play That's right I'm just after cleaning all the sheets in the house now You'd wonder why you bother, but you stay on top of everything, don't you, in fairness? I don't indeed. Fair Keep one, that's the way. Yeah, change nothing in life, just do it nothing as normal. Nothing at all. If it's, it's something you can do about something, do it, and if you can't, leave it there. You're old that's school, Lena. you're old school, you see. That's my policy, you know. Tell me about the time in Fair Hill. You were very yeah. young, you were with your grand... I was gran- only 14 then, yeah. and I, of course I had my sight that time. And I was going into bed one night, and I was just going over to out the light, and in the corner appeared my grandmother's sister Bridget Lord have mercy on her and she had a blue habit on her and her hair was very untidy as if she was after getting out of bed now like right and she said to me listen to me now girls she and listen to me good that's the first time I ever heard good in a, in a sentence like that listen to me now girl and listen to me and good listen to me good she said don't leave anyone make a fool of you I'll walk up your back and I'll be praying for you and she disappeared are you sure that it happened? I don't mean I'm to dismiss it, but it wasn't a dream. I, I, I was up sure I was going over to the light. I was awake. Did you get a fright? I, no, she didn't frighten me at all. She said, I'll be always praying for you, she said, and I'll watch over you. Right, yeah. Then we transferred down here, where I am now. I was blind at the stage then, and I was going into bed, into the room one day, I was going to bed, and, and the right hand side going in, there was a man standing at the side of the door. He had a suit on him. I could feel it. You could feel and the fabric of the suit, is I it? I could, yeah. I could. And he held me hand. He got me hands in between, his fingers in between my fingers. And he kept them there for about five minutes. Cold hands? Warm hands? What kind of hands? They were warm, they were. But she ha- he had a lovely suit on him. It was a very uh, expensive suit. Right. It felt like that to me anyway. Sometimes and people can pick up a smell or something like that, no, like aftershave or pipe no, tobacco. I didn't smell nothing like that. But I felt the suit and um, the hand that he was holding my hand with, I could feel the sleeve of the suit. And he put his fingers in between my fingers and he kept them there for about five minutes, I'd say. Did he say anything? No. Not just put his fingers in between mine and tightened his hand like to tighten his fingers in among his. That's Would you think done. that it was a loss, a, a, a passed away relative, maybe or something? Well, my uncle, I could admit, I, I'm sure it was my mother's brother. Did you find it comforting? Um, yeah, it's good. Uh, he's either coming looking for a prayer, maybe, or 
something, but did he you, didn't say anything. So while he didn't say anything, did you say anything? Like, who are you? What do you uh, want? No, or? I said, uh, what's wrong with you? That's what I said. And he pressed his fingers in between mine then when I said that. What's wrong with you? He pressed, he, pre- he put his five fingers in between my five fingers. And I said, what's wrong with you, John? And he said, just tightened his fingers in between mine. Yeah. Yeah. And disappeared again. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, how did you feel about it? Were you comforted by the visit? Well, I was just ordinary, you know, that's the way I was. And, um, I well, you would think you would be frightened. I mean, you had no sight as I a man no or a spirit sight. in the room holding you. Frighten, he didn't frighten me at all. Yeah. He didn't frighten me. But he, um, as I say, he tightened his hands. His fingers so tight between mine. If I even wanted to get him out of his hand, I couldn't. I know, I know. Tight, tight. And he, I felt uh, the sleeve of his coat, uh, so, his suit, obviously, he had on him. And he... Um, did, you have, did you have any relation, male relation, who was a sharp dresser? Oh, yeah, John. Because um, he was an opera singer, you see. Oh, way. Yeah. And he used to build to me down the upper house, no well, they always sang the I knew Bill Toomey, yeah. And so I'd say that that was John telling you, you may that be alone, him. you may not have any sight left, yeah, but, but I'm, I'm always looking out for you. And my grand, sure, poor Bridget said that, but I had my sight that time when I, met, when I saw her. Yeah, yeah. But um, he tightened his hands so tight, his fingers so tight in between mine, and he left me feel the sleeve of the coat. It was a lovely suit he had on him. I know, he but they must... They must have really always, loved you that they're that close to you. He always dressed out of Burton's before, you see. Burton's on Patrick Street. Happy he, days. And um, he sang in Covent Gardens as well. He was a good opera singer, you see. Lovely. And Bill Toomey then used to... He was down the opera house doing opera with him as well. And he so came he was, back to visit you to tell you he, he was looking to, over you. to say something to me anyway. That's what he did. All right. Look and after. he was on the, yeah. the right-hand side of the door. The right-hand side going I know. I know. Mm. I know. Yeah. Right to be, Lena. Lovely chatting with you again. Thanks and for sharing. And And thanks very much for all you do. Thanks very much, Neil. You're the greatest. You know that. I've told you that before. You did indeed. And you're, you're greater than me. <laughs> thanks <laughs> oh, very yeah, much. Chancellor, that's not true. Look after yourself, Lena. I will indeed. Thank bye, you. Girl. Bye, 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 bye. Okay, last bunch of free food Friday shout-outs for you. For the Irish, actually, talking to Lena, who is unsighted. The Irish Guide Dogs for the Blind on the Model Farm Road are always listening. Dermot De- Dermody Dental Practice as well. Balancholic Credit Union. Glen Heights Pharmacy in Ballyvalan. House of Hera Kinsale, always listening. SR Technics in Mahan. Euro Car Parts in Wilton. All the office staff at Arup. I love saying that. Arup. Arup the Yard. Irish Removals in Bishopstown. Uh, Northside Tires in the Old Mallow Road. Hair Shop in Middleton. Marlborough Trust would love uh, feeding today. Leisure World in Churchfield. Little Island Transport. Horgan's Garage in Kerry Pike. Absolute Property Group. Morning to them. To the Eye Clinic at the CUH. To Irish Express Cargo's Dublin Hill. And one or two more for now. Uh, Watson Marlow in Blackpool. The Baldy Barbers. Sheehan Plumbing and Heating. Twilight News. Patrick Street, Paul Street in the bus station. Sports Matters in McCurtain Street. Foley's Plumbing. Joe's Edge Hair Salon. The Bon Secours Hospital and everybody at Skull Owen in Balancholic. The last ones are everybody listening at Bespoke Wedding Ceremonies and everyone in Biba Hair Salon. I don't have time for any more shout-outs, as my apologies. We'll pick a winner in a few minutes' time. But I want to go back to Colm O'Sullivan because we're just a chaka block. We're going, as they say, gangbusters with jazz this morning. In studio, the New York Brass Band. Are you ready to go, Colm, my man? 
Yeah, we're here. This oh, who's oh what, someone from the band? Who's that? This James. James from New York Brass Band. Can I thank you for coming all the way from York to Cork and then out to the studio to play for us this morning? Uh, it's an, it's our annual trip to Cork, uh, so we've we've been doing the jazz festival for eleven years. So. Great to have you here, James. Brilliant. How many of you are there? Because I can't see. I know you are the tuba player, so you need a lot of space. I'd say. Yeah, there's ten of us. <laughs> Okay. Uh, we, we've got a ridiculous number of gigs over the weekend, so we've we've brought a big big team of players. You brought the A team with yeah, you, James. Absolutely. All right, my man. Fifteen gigs. I, I announced them earlier. I'll do it again in the middle. In a minute. Let's see what kind of sound the ten of you can make then from the New York Brass Band. Okay, a bit of Spice Girls. Go for it. Seriously, pack a punch, all ten of them. You should see them in the studio, guys. I hope. I know we're pe- posting some videos on Twitter and on Facebook, and hopefully more will go up because the gang are filming. So go check them out as soon as they go up. One's up already from earlier this morning, but it looks great and it sounds terrific. So we'll get one more, I think, out of the New York Brass Band before we go this morning. And they're playing all over the city. And I'll give you the gigs as well in a few minutes' time. Free Food Friday winner to come as well. And just before we finish, tickets for the jazz. I assume, as they say on Lee side, you're going.
and Jazzin. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. All right. Red FM. Talking about the paranormal. Uh, one final call on this. I could fill another hour or two of it, but uh, who knows? We may come back to it again if you have stories to share uh, from Tuesday onwards. But Paul, good morning. Hi, Neil. How things? I'm good, my man. Somewhat shorter version, if you don't mind, without wanting to cut you off in your prime. Uh, we're talking about, what, years ago? Uh, yeah, a couple of years ago, I suppose. We moved to Kenair and we were in a house um, for a long time. And we had a six-year-old girl ourselves and quite a young child. And the young baby used to be crying in the room, looking at the corner of the room and very, very upset, uncontrollable, like. And... Uh, I used to wake up at night and talk to this girl next to the bed, who I thought was my six-year-old daughter. And I used to tell her, go back to bed. So after a while, my wife woke, and she was like, who are you talking to? And I was like, Leah. And she's like, there's no one there. So we thought it might have been something, and this what happened to the, the baby as well. That's why she was so upset. Right. But we never told anybody. And my niece came and stayed with me for the summer. And herself and her friend stayed in our house. Myself and my wife went to bed. And we hear this commotion downstairs and we said nothing. So in the morning, I got up and into the girl's room. I said, what was all the commotion about last night? And when the girl said, we came out of the downstairs bathroom, and she's like, we looked up the stairs and there was a girl standing at the top. Oh room. my God, you weren't the only one. Yeah, so I wasn't the only one. Right, and the description, so, the description of her? Yeah, it was like a, a very old-fashioned young girl in like a, like a nightdress, almost like grey, like, like a grey figure. But it was not, it was so real. And I had that girl for ages. And in the house, I see her for ages. Not afraid for anything. And I didn't see her for weeks. And I went to my mother's house in Cork. And she told me, when I came home, I hadn't said nothing to my mother, but I thought her, I thought I saw something in her house. And she, my mother said, show that person that you saw in the house, that spirit. I was like, yeah. She described the same girl to me. When I left my mother's house in Cork, that girl stayed up there. My mother saw her at her bed. And who do, who do we think she was? No clue. We tried researching it and couldn't find anything. Was it an old house in Kenmare? Uh, not that old. <laughs> not that old. It's fairly new built. But apparently what we've been told is that spirits, they don't attach themselves to places as such, it's to people. And what's so the connection with you then? Um, maybe because I, I'm such a nice guy, Neil, I don't know. <laughs> so, and your little baby in the crib, of course, since something was wrong. Too. Yeah, and she was so upset and inconsolable. Like, we couldn't. We blessed the room. We had to, the whole lot, we moved the beds around and all that kind of stuff. We had to take her out of the room in the end. And once we took her out of that room in the house, she slept on like What that kind of that. expression did the young girl have, do you know? Uh, there was the kind of expressionless, like, Joe, there, there was no fear about her, there was no, almost if it was someone who was lost, if that makes sense. I know, like, you know when, like, when you like say that she soul. was with you for years, like, would it be in the kitchen, in the front room? Would you no, the- same, same spot every night, I'd up, she'd come up to the top of the stairs, and she'd almost walk up the stairs, I could see her from my bedroom door, and she'd walk into the kids' rooms, okay, and okay. she would just disappear. And did you ever try and talk to her? I, mean, I used to be talking to her, she, <laughs> but, but she did, used to just walk away. She never answered? 
Never answer, no. Never. It's amazing. I'd love to have something like that happen to me, you know. I really would. Well, I don't know. I thought it was my man for a while, Lee. No, no. You got it confirmed by the <laughs> other kids and your mother as well. Yeah. Great exactly. story, though. Thanks for sharing it, Paul. Perfect. No, I don't need Have a great bank holiday weekend and good luck to you. I want to get one more song, if I can. One more uh, fantastic uh, piece from the New York brass band. Now, they are playing the Metropole Hotel. They're playing the Riverlea Hotel, Reardon's, Oliver Plunkett, the Library. There's 10 in the band. They're all set up, and hopefully, at this stage, Colm can introduce another one because I mean, it's incredible the sound that they can make with percussion and sax and trumpets and trombones and sousaphones. And funnily enough, with all of them in there, not a note in sight. So they're all playing um, really together as one. So I don't know whether you're ready to go there, Colm. I certainly am. Let me know how you're fixed. Or maybe it's even James himself. You're right, James. I'm here, Neil, and the lads are ready to go. James is over with the sousaphone. The lads are ready to go. The final bit of jazz here of the morning, kicking off the jazz weekend. Take it away, New York Brass Band. Thank you. 
That's incredible stuff. It really and truly is terrific. Shaka Khan's Ain't Nobody. And that's the New York brass band, brass band live in studio. They do it all, actually. The jazz and the pop and the reggae and the funk and the New Orleans and even ska. Check them out at those different locations across the weekend. Thanks for coming in, guys. Thanks to everybody that played live this morning, including the New York brass band, including the Booker brass band, including Len McCarthy, Leisha Leahy and George from the Roaring Forties. Great morning. Hope you enjoyed it. Our lines are open now uh, for your opportunity to scoop some tickets. We've got gigs for Saturday at St. Peter's Church. They've also got a jazz exhibition up there and some great music and you can be there and part of it uh, by picking up the phone now. We also have Metropole Hotel tickets, which is the home of the Jazz Festival, the Metropole Jazz Club tickets. These are for Saturday night over 23s only. It was great to talk to Jim Monjoy this morning because he is the man that started it all off all those years ago Uh, and you know it's gone from strength to strength but if it wasn't for him we wouldn't be here and there would be no jazz trail or no pub trail. Liam says by text actually, well done, you're the first person to publicly give Jim Monjoy the credit he deserves for starting the festival. It's time the City Hall rewarded him. I can only agree and concur with that. Last bit of business before I leave you for the bank holiday weekend. Free food Friday for this week, courtesy of ourselves in Rooster Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. I'm told we're actually heading to Cove this Friday morning and Michael should be standing by at Blue Coast Skipar. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Good, my man. Don't you worry. It'll be worth the wait. There'll be 15 or 20 of you fed in the next two hours. How many of you are there? There's 12. 12 at the moment, but there's a garage alongside us, so we'll throw it into them as well. Well, fair play. Will you share with the neighbours then? We will, we will. Okay. You know Cove well, don't you? I know it very well. Love Cove, particularly yeah. on a sunny yeah. day. Now, so we got Michael and we've got Trevor and we've got all of the gang. I need a big shout-out. Yeah. If it's not a big shout-out, you don't get the food. All right. In your yeah, own time. Yeah, all right. Thanks for the That'll do nicely. You're working up an appetite. Well done, Michael. Enjoy your weekend. You too, my friend. Thanks for listening. I know your regular texters every week for Free Food Friday. It's paid off. We'll do that again next week. Our lines will stay open. You can call 0818104106. Text 0868104106. If you've got a story to share, email neil at redfm.ie. Enjoy the jazz weekend. Enjoy the bank holiday weekend. The weather won't be too shabby. I'll see you Tuesday. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.